Our scripture this evening will be from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old one is gone, the new one is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And uh, the goal of this mission trip that we go on is we put on a VBS for the kids down in Poncha Springs. Uh, it's for two-year-olds through teenagers, and it's on the Monday through the Thursday of that week, so that's four days in total. Um, we had about 75 kids on average each of these days. Um, our theme for this week was Fixer Upper. Um, and we thought that this theme really showed how God uses broken people to do his works and really show his light in this world. We, so we chose three people that we thought really showed this from the Bible, which were Paul, Zacchaeus, and Joseph. And we thought that they really showed how God uses uh, broken people, even in the darkest of times, to show his light. And then on the final day, we talked about how Jesus came down onto earth. He died for us, you know, basic stuff. Um, so I think something that gets overlooked for, like, these mission trips is that the VBS is also really powerful for us. Um, it's a time that we get to, like, put our faith out there instead of, like, our little Edmund Circle thing, and we really get to be that light in those really dark places. So on the screen right here, you can see me and Jared leading songs for the VBS kids. It's a pretty good time. Um, so also, in these times, we put on a little Devo every night, and... We had five people give a Devo for us about our Fixer Upper theme. They were Drake Bass, Daniel, All uh, Daniel uh, Epps, Connor Reed, Jared Alsip, and Joseph Zajek. They all delivered Devos to us about how God has worked in their lives and made them the people that they are today, and they all did an amazing job, and it was a blessing for us all. So as well as VBS, we do service projects around the community. We did five different things uh, this week. So first, we stained a woman named Mary's Garage, and blessing for her so she didn't have to do that on her own. Um, we also painted S Mountain. We get to do this every other year and it's for the city that we get to do this for so it's a blessing that we get to see, they get to see the church doing this service project for them. Um, we also stained a lady named Karen Spence. Uh, this is actually really cool because she ended up coming to our picnic that we hold on the Thursday at the end of VBS and she came after not attending church for several years before that so that's really awesome. Um, then finally, we did uh, two work projects around their church building. So uh, the first half of that was we stained a fence around their church building, and uh, I was actually on this work project, and on a completely unrelated note, I had a super nice tan on my hands for the next couple of days. So um, Then also, we installed a full-size playground uh, next to their building, which you can see in this picture right here at the beginning. It looks a lot better now, I promise. Um, and so it looks awesome, complete with slides, swings, you know, basic playground stuff. 
Um, and yeah, we basically transformed like half of their property in one week, which is so cool. It would have taken forever without us. So it's awesome that we got to do that. So overall, this year's poncho was one that I know I certainly will not forget, and I'm sure the people of poncho will not as well. I have the privilege of talking to you guys tonight about poncho. If you talk to any of the EYG members, they will tell you that the highlight of the summer for them has always been the poncha mission trip. It's filled with hard work, fun stories, and experiences that get us closer to God. This year was no different. Throughout the week, we completed several work projects. We door knocked hundreds of houses, heard great lessons, and made unforgettable memories. One of the highlights came from my work project. I was on the work project that was on S Mountain. In Salada, there is a ginormous S made from concrete built onto the side of a mountain. My team's work project task was to go up and repaint the S. Since it's on the side of a mountain, it's fairly slippery. And so watching eight teenagers who really have no clue what they're doing trip and fall over and over again onto fresh paint is honestly one of the funniest things you will ever see. Since the mountain overlooks the town of Salida, I'd sometimes wonder if the people down there heard us scream every time we'd slip. <laughs> Overall, it was a great time. Fun fact, that S Mountain and the Pontius Springs Church, they're the same elevation. It's an inside joke. Many of you guys know that I'm a senior this year, and with being a senior comes last. And this was my last poncha. It's hard for me to understand this and realize this because I've had so many good memories over the years. But tonight I'm going to be focusing on my memories with the VBS. But before we could ever get kids into the VBS down there, we had to door knock. Door knocking was honestly one of the worst things I ever did as a freshman. To be able to go up to the door, knock, and have a conversation and eventually ask, ask them to go to church makes you very uncomfortable for understandable reasons. Although it was uncomfortable at first, I quickly realized that this was one of the best benefits to my faith. Being able to open up, be comfortable in these comfortable, uncomfortable situations, and be intentional in my actions and words help my faith and help me grow as a Christian. Many times we get rejected, but of all the kids who did come, it was a great blessing. My freshman and sophomore year, I decided to do the first and second grade. I decided to do this grade because it sounded like fun, but as time got closer, I got more and more nervous. I started doubting and thinking, what am I going to learn or teach these kids? They're just little kids. But something happened I would never forget. You see, whenever I would tell them the stories about Daniel or Joseph or Moses or Jesus, they would be excited to learn. And because they were excited to learn, I would in turn be excited to learn. I had passion for retelling the stories that oftentimes we take for granted. You see, but for many of them, this was the first time they've ever heard those stories. In fact, my sophomore year, one of the kids was inside the church, was looking around and simply said, so this is what the inside of a church looks like. You see, through their excitement and joy and enthusiasm and wanting to learn I, in turn, had enthusiasm and joy and excitement to teach. My junior and senior years, I wanted to switch it up. 
instead of doing first and second, I decided to do teens class. I did this because I wanted to try an older group, and we only have four years. Just like my freshman year, I was nervous at first, thinking, what is going to happen? But the teens class also proved to be a huge blessing, because we could relate to these kids in a way we couldn't before. What was so good about teens class is that through our lessons and through us opening up, we had honest conversations. We had open talks about our faith and our lives. We built uh, friendships and relationships with these kids. And the teens leader over, over the past two years, and me being a teens leader over the past two years, has had the privilege and the opportunity to form friendships with them and share Christ. But throughout the fun, nostalgic years of first and second, or the, in the personal and influential years of teens class, my junior and sophomore, my junior and senior year, what has been there all four years of my experience has been the EYG's heart and example for the kids of Poncha. You see, one of the things that many of you don't know is that Poncha is, is ran majority, major, is ran by the, anyways. <laughs> Poncha is mostly run, there we go, by the kids of the EYG. You see, whether it is the lessons, the decorations, the themes, the crafts, and even this year with the Devos, it is the kids of the EYG who put it together and work week after week and month after month, making sure that we have the best chance of reaching and influencing as many kids as we can in Poncha and Salida. I want to end this by thanking you, the church, for your, contribu for your contributions on Mission Sunday that make trips like Poncha possible. Not only does it help grow the faith and spread the gospel in Poncha and Salida, but it helps grow and influence our faith here in Edmond. You can be assured that through your efforts, you are helping spreading the gospel and making him known. Thank you. Thanks again, Noah and Joseph, for sharing your experiences and your story of the Poncha Springs Church. Uh, before we begin tonight, uh, good evening. Uh, hope you're having a great day. But also, I want you to feel a lot of sense of pride uh, of the youth group that you have here at Edmond. Uh, and I'm not just saying that to pat myself on the back because it comes from great families and it comes from a great culture that we have here at this church, uh, that they represented Christ with so much pride and with so much dignity and were able to share their experiences and the way that Christ has transformed their lives and the people around them and share that story with the Poncha community. And thank you so much for being a part of that. And thank you so much for making that happen. Tonight, we're talking a little bit about Who Am I? Uh, the series that we've been in for the past few weeks. And through our experience with the Poncha Springs mission trip, we're going to be talking about who I am as an ambassador. And really, these students have been ambassadors from here to Colorado, everywhere in between, and really ambassadors to, hopefully, uh, a lot of you all, that no matter your age, no matter your st status, no matter your title, we can all be ambassadors to each other as we talk about the gospel message and we encourage others to be more Christ-like each and every day. Tonight, I have the pleasure of breaking down a little bit of our trip and speak on how, speaking on how show, showing God and the story of Jesus means and gives us meaning and purpose. From the words that we read earlier from Paul, we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, if you're anything like me and my short knowledge of the English or uh, old English language, ambassador doesn't really mean a lot to me. When I think ambassador, I think foreign dignitary, and when I hear that, I don't really have any kind of sense on how that impacts my faith. Now, I may be alone in this, but when I hear ambassador, I think of King Arthur. 
when I think of King Arthur, I think of King Arthur and the Holy Grail. Now, <laughs> you may laugh, but this is a great depiction and great imagery of what an ambassador is. Let me set the scene for you. This is a movie that came out quite a few years ago. Sorry, I did not do my IMDb uh, movie research to know what year it is, but it has a definitely low budget, lower than probably our Edmund VBS here. And in this scene, King Arthur is riding on an imaginative horse uh, with his hands up on the imaginative reins, and then he has a servant behind him using empty coconuts to make the sound of what would be a horse. <laughs> and he's going all across the lands and the realms as a story you more than likely know already to find knights for his round table, and then to find uh, the Holy Grail, or if you want to replace it with something a little bit more definitive, uh, eternal life. And so, from this example of an ambassador, we have a couple of things. One, that he's an ambassador, but more importantly, when we're talking about ambassadors, there are two primary functions, two primary variables. One, an ambassador has a title. King Arthur has one, right? King Arthur, uh, king of the round table. Sorry, I'm blinking on that. Uh, but he has uh, a message as well. He has a story. He's going and trying to find knights for the round table in hope and in search of this holy grail. And he's also going across lands and into foreign countries and foreign kingdoms to try to find these knights and help to get this job done. Tonight we'll be looking at these two things. What is your title and what is your story? And being involved in the gospel and being shaped through the identity of Christ really transforms both of those. So let's kick off tonight like we've done all throughout this series, going back over these statements which remind us of God's title and story and how they provide us freedom of the things that we are not. Repeat after me. I am not what I have. I am not what I do. And I am not what people say about me. Thank you. Good job. In this series, we have been talking about how the story we tell and believe for ourselves impacts what we do and really who we see in the mirror, our self-perception. Much of this story is put together in our childhood and by our family. We'll talk about this in a few minutes, but really what an ambassador is is someone that has maybe eldership over you, maybe authority over you, uh, but they're given a lot of responsibility. And in the context of the passage that we just read in 2 Corinthians 5, an ambassador is someone that is more likely chief of the household or, or a parent. And a lot of these stories get influenced from us growing up, us and our families, and the stories that they pass down as well. So show me a hand. Uh, who has embarrassing or funny stories of their family or a family member? Give it a raise. Awesome. I know it's more than all of you that didn't raise your hand, but it's okay. Uh, I'll forgive you tonight. But I have these as well. So you may not come to realize it by how professional I look up, up here on this stage. Uh, don't worry, it's only for you all that I'm dressed this way. But growing up, I was kind of a country boy. You see, my... That's cute. I like it. You see, growing up, my dad was a team roper, and my mom broke horses for a living. Uh, she was tough as nails. All the while, it was my job to take care, feed, and sometimes ride the animals. I know that was a big responsibility for me, and typically I fell off of the horse and the goat and everything else multiple times. We once had this evil goat named Butch. And now my mom, for some reason, really wanted to get me into mutton busting. 
And if you don't know what mutton busing is, it's pretty much the intermission of big-time rodeos, where they have little kids get onto goats as they're terrified, mind you, and hopefully they will make it to the end of the arena, still on this mutton, uh, still on this goat, and make it out alive. And this is fun to watch, I guess. Now, I was smarter than uh, your average eight, nine-year-old. I would get on this goat, and I would fall off whenever I would get uncomfortable. If you've ever ridden a horse uh, bareback or a goat bareback, you will understand that their spines come out a lot, and they're pretty pointy, and they're uncomfortable. When my mom finally caught on to this grand scheme that I had, she told me, hey, if you intentionally fall off again, I'm going to ground you for weeks. And on top of that, you're planning on going seeing your grandma this weekend, which she was going to give me a lot of treats, extended video game playing time, you know how it goes. And I was deathly afraid of that. So I got on Butch, and I dallied up my hand a few times, and I was convinced that I was not going to let go this time. Now, it's important to go over the logistics of this event. Let's advance it to the next slide. Here is the pin. Uh, <laughs> here's the pin that we were settled in. I was at the front of it, dallied up on Butch, and I was about to ride around the pin. I was about to go mutton busting. But then, on the entirely opposite side of the pin, hit it, you have the unfortunate shed. Now, there was this shed that had an awning that went out onto the pin, and it was about yay high. Or at least, that's what I was about to learn. So I was convinced that I wasn't going to let go, even though the shed got nearer and nearer. I didn't flinch. Several minutes later, I woke up on my back, looking at my mom, and she was appealing to me the entire time, why didn't you let go? <laughs> I said, you told me not to. <laughs> I had done my job. Now, that story may be funny, but ironically enough, it shaped who I am and who I would become. It's given me a way to understand my past and has in some ways shaped me into who I am today. I'm very hard-headed and sensitive, and for some reason, I'm deathly afraid of goats. But for the good and the bad, these stories we tell shape who we are. You have a story, I have a story, especially when it gets into the realm of family, of church, of friends, and these can be funny, they can be serious, they can be good, they can have their peaks, but they also can have their valleys. And a lot of times, this defines who we are. But it's important to bring that to the church, it's important to bring that to the gospel and see ourselves for who God sees us as. And that's why we have this series. No one understands this fact more than Paul, who delivers us the message of the cross in our passage today. It is because of Christ that Paul is given a new story and a new title, from persecutor of Christians to champion of the kingdom. He once was Saul. He once persecuted churches. He persecuted Christians. He held Stephen's coat as he was being stoned, yet he had a destiny and a future that was much brighter than that. And because of the story of Christ, because of the way that he writes about in his epistles, he has a future and a glory that is above whatever tragedies, whatever misspells, whatever has happened in his past, he has a new story. It's misguided to think that our past and our history are too damaged or too messy for God. This works its way into Paul's theology because he has experienced it. For so long, I never regarded experience as something to hold within theology or within the pages of at least the epistles because I just thought, man, Paul was bright. Paul was fueled by the Spirit. But no, 
He suffered intense transformation, and that plays out in 2 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, in Romans, and the rest of the entire Bible, we see biblical heroes and villains, but specifically Paul tonight, that he's grappled with this who I am versus who I am now, or who I was, who I am now, in the image of Christ. You can see that he's wrestling with the fact that he, or at least the parts of Saul that are still inside of him, are nowhere close to earning God's redemption, but it was given freely to him on the road to Damascus. Because of Christ, Paul's story and title have been transformed. And that's what we're talking about when we're ambassadors of Christ. Not ambassadors of the world, not ambassadors of the company that I work for, but ambassadors for God's church and his story. Let's pick up a little bit before uh, the passage that we read today. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 15. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are known, what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In this passage, Paul has just transitioned from talking about the heavenly dwelling. Uh, The first part of chapter 5, he's talking about the hope and the redemption that living in Christ gives to us. Honestly, as a a side bar, as a side token, uh, hope is the greatest currency that we have as Christians. Uh, to preach that, to share that to other people. And that's what Paul's continuing his train of thought on. In the beginning of this text, Paul's addressing some kind of criticism. The passage doesn't give us anything definitive. And Paul, frankly, doesn't cite anyone out by name, at least this time. He has in the past. But, as Randy said this morning, that kind of gives us a way of entering into the text ourselves. It's saying we face criticism. We face bumps in our story and in our experiences and in our past. But we uh, can be brought over that. It's also not an issue for Paul that um, when he mentions that Christ dying for all is a little bit vague and open-ended, but he doesn't feel the necessity to uh, be specific about that or extend on that. So many people so dissension about if Paul is drawing the line on salvation here or he's just talking about the means to get there. Again, it's not a great concern for Paul, and it really shouldn't be for us either. There are so many times that more importantly, Paul, than any other biblical author, leaves a lot of things open-ended. It's gray. Uh, And it's up to us to live within that tension and use our own wisdom and insight and sometimes experience to navigate what those waters mean for us and how to live and how to act as a faithful Christian church. There is one thing that Paul does find significance in, though. The God of the crucifixion is also the God of the resurrection. That Paul never lets it sit, Paul never lets it stay that I was Saul, that I was persecutor of persecutors, that I am a vile human being. No, he always talks about the resurrection right after that. That there is hope that when we remember Christ, when we come to this table, it's not just to say, hey, he died, what was me, thank you for that grace, and throw a party for that. No, it's, it's about the freedom and the victory that we have in his resurrection, in the life that we've been given through Christ. No longer does he look at himself or others by successes or failures, fame or fortune, but what he does boast about is the power and the transformation that comes from dying to self and living in the power of the resurrection. 
Paul consistently promotes this story throughout his epistles. He says it's meaningless to put so much stock in yourself, your title, when you compare it to the story of the cross, which is so great and powerful. Noah did a great job in talking about our Poncha Springs VBS and the theme that we had this year. Kicking off, this entire year we've talked about what experience means. Um, the story that you tell, that it's not just about evangelism, that it's not just about your five steps to salvation and that's it. No, it's about sharing your personal story and the way that the gospel's transformed you, just like Paul is sharing in this text, that people really grip onto, they cling to. Researchers and theologians have become to understand that a person's experience trumps their understanding uh, or trumps their standing in the world. That it's not just about their authority, but it's about the story uh, that God enters into, and, and it transforms them. And so this year we had Fixer Upper as our VBS theme, and we thought that would be totally applicable. Uh, not only because for a five-year-old, they'd be able to be like, oh yeah, Fixer Upper, that's a great TV show that's on HGTV. No, <laughs> they would be able to see that Christ can enter into anyone's story in anyone's situation. And our students did that in droves. It was awesome that when we started talking about these stories in the text of, of Joseph and of Jesus and, and of, and of uh, Saul becoming Paul, that they, they latched onto that. And they did a great job uh, teaching that curriculum and these stories and coming up with crafts, which is not my spiritual gift. But they've come to understand that the gospel is more about getting you into a particular destination, but it's transforming you uh, along the journey as well. Hit that next slide. There we go. The gospel changes the journey as well as the destination. It's not just a ticket into heaven or uh, a redemption above hell, but it's also about becoming more and more Christ-like while we're here on earth and sharing how that transformation is taking place in your life. And it was awesome to see that being uh, displayed and also discussed while we were in Pancha. So that's the story part of it, and now we have the title. Even though Paul diminishes himself and its former glories, he still elevates the church through the story of the gospel. You see, for Paul, in that first section at least, he's talking about the story of Christ, how it's more important than his, that that's the strength that comes from his own weakness, as we talked about earlier today. But also, this magnificent story gives us a brand new title. And that's where we see this word ambassador uh, come into fruition. Let's continue reading. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which is a beautiful passage. That is, in Christ Jesus, or Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once again, Paul includes this transformational language. As Paul concludes on what some may see as an identity crisis, which Paul is really good about doing this, um, he's sometimes dramatic. He speaks with some emotion, but also he goes from like telling us how to do life based on lists and then sometimes like saying it's not about lists. And so I'm like, Paul, just like, stop, just calm down. Uh, but he talks about how this story is giving us a brand new title, and that's simply amazing. He's fully realizing that his true identity or his title, 
is being an ambassador of God. Paul is using Jesus himself as a catalyst of this transformation by God that we're not to regard even, even Jesus in the flesh anymore. He's not regarded by his flesh or earthly authority, but the power that comes from being near to God. The same transformation that happened to Paul when he went up into the third heaven, or we can just talk about uh, on the road to Damascus. Uh, that's when that transformation took place. And finally, we have our word ambassador. You see, this original Greek word in the text is presbeuomen. Oh, I got it. I practiced that a couple of times. Which in this context would convey something like an elder or a chief of the household, someone that has power, someone that has responsibility, someone that not only is responsible for the mission of the kingdom or the mission of the establishment, but also um, has a big say in it. This title would have been used for someone that is not only trusted by their government or whatever power that they're serving or house, but able to impart impact and influence that body as well. Just like King Arthur, he's not just a foreign dignitary saying, okay, like I'll spread this message that you want me to spread. No, he's an active participant. He's calling the shots. And that's what ambassador means to us today as well. Ambassadors are given power to draw near to God and invite others along in that pursuit. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. In the same way, we are given a new title based on the significant story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Instead of bent and broken, we are found as sons and daughters of God. This is the whole message of reconciliation, right? This is what the ministry is based on. Sometimes in the youth class, we talk about how sin um, is, is doctrinal based on, on the Bible and breaking the laws and the commandments that God gives us, but on a, on a higher level, God's really telling us to have appropriate relationships. Even in this passage, it's being talked about fellowship, uh, that sin is going against God, but it's also breaking the relationship that we have with God and the relationship that we have with our brothers and sisters here. And that this ministry of reconciliation means that we're going out into the world to repair these broken relationships, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the church. Uh, there's a reason why Jesus says, hey, don't come into this place of worship until you have your relationships right. It's our ministry of reconciliation, and that's the power and the message that we have. One of the most valuable aspects of things like the Poncha mission trip is seeing students come out of their shell and own the gospel and be confident in the ways that they are able to to, to serve on service projects or to teach in VBS class or give devotionals when you're just like, hey man, you would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> do this devotional. And, he, uh, and he's probably like, no. And you're like, no, you're going to do awesome. All of our guys did an awesome job in sharing these devotionals. Uh, our ladies and gentlemen uh, were fantastic in doing service projects, which um, we showed a picture earlier uh, of us working at the church and we, like Noah said, transformed half of the property. Uh, we put up a big play set because that church is, is talking about their story and what they mean to the community, that they want to be inviting uh, to kids and everything like that, and we were a part of it. From seeing themselves as just students, from seeing themselves as just a youth group, they're seeing themselves as part of the church, right? Some Romans 12 language, that we are all members, uh, that we are, are all responsible for holding on to this story, being transformed by it, and sharing that with other people because once you experience the power of Christ in your life, you want to share that with other people because it's that important and that significant. By being an ambassador, we're given authority and entrusted to share the gospel with others. We only learn to be missionaries, evangelists in the church by putting our feet on the ground and serve and share in this gospel message. God entrusts us to take part in this story and own the fact that we represent him to others. Uh, it's really cute, but it's true that you are the only uh, Bible that uh, other people may read because God entrusts us to be disciples of his. Uh, 
to represent him to other people. And this is what 1 Peter 2 is talking about as our function in the world as ambassadors. That you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In a way, he's talking about the church. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Being an ambassador transforms your story and it also transforms your perspective, not only on yourself, but who others are as being made in the image of God. So let's talk about the variables uh, and what that means to us as ambassadors. So an ambassador is given a transformative story Your past experiences, trauma, mishaps, blessings are never diminished or squelched, but they're brought into a new light in Christ. Just like Paul, we live in a tension of knowing who we once were, as Saul, as old John versus new John, or who we were versus who God's creating us to be. We reconcile with that. You were chosen to be part of God's story, one that brings meaning and purpose. Second, you're given a title of honor that you are not labeled by what you own or how high uh, up you are on the corporate ladder, but you're valued as a son or daughter of God. You are seen as worthy and unique in the eyes of God, and you are called to look at others in the same light. But you also have a calling to go. You are not a church that sits on the gospel. You know by your own experience that this gospel has shaped you, and you want to share this with others. Once you've experienced the gospel, once you feel close to Jesus and how that transforms your life and your relationships and brings reconciles you together, you want to share that with other people. And if you don't, then maybe you just need more Jesus, right? Or at least be closer to him. I understand it's a heavy transition to go from seeing yourself as less than perfect to now being a child of God. It doesn't happen overnight. It didn't for Paul. I know it's still really divisive and hard for me to swallow, uh, even being a Christian for years. Uh, And even as a minister, it's hard to, to face a lot of those battles. I want to share one more story with you before we wrap up. Uh, Just like Noah said, we had our our young men share devos uh, every night, and the idea was that we were going to be talking about what it means to be a fixer-upper. As we talk about transforming into the image of Christ, not only with our students at VBS, but also as a church, we wanted to have some of our people go up in front of our group and talk about how God has been fixing them up. And so every night that we had VBS... Our young guys got in front of the group and talked about how Christ has been transforming them. Uh, And it was a powerful experience because this transformation happened not by talking about the gospel, but seeing how the gospel has transformed each and every one of us already. Man, and that made so much of a difference in the trip. Some opened up about the highs and the lows and the relationships they had back here at home or the ones that they made in Pancha. And I began to realize, as people were talking about their own families and their own friends, that a lot of those were the same bruises and the same broken relationships that I had back at home, and they were being ambassadors to me. They were sharing that story and sharing those experiences to build others up and to celebrate in the victories uh, they've had back at home. Uh, And those are awesome, because our students are great at sharing how uh, God has transformed their lives, and Christ has spoken into uh, not only the good things in their lives, but their wounds as well. 
Ambassadors live within the tension of their suffering and the victory they find in Christ to share his message with the world. As ambassadors, we have messages of hope and also of victory. We sympathize with those who are facing loss and we celebrate with those who find victory in Christ. This message must be shared not only on the streets outside of the church, but as well as the pews inside of it. Because we're all broken. Uh, We all have our mistakes, but we also are promised victory in this great story of being ambassadors. So, if you're able to, if you're comfortable, please stand as we recite this one more time. I am not what I have. I am not what I do. I am not what other people say about me. I am an ambassador of Christ. If you're here and have a story that has some bumps and bruises, we understand that. Uh, We're a church with broken people. Uh, We've all made mistakes, and we all have difficulties that we're going through. Not only do we want to hear that, hear about that experience, but we also want to pray with you during that. Um, If you want to be entered into this awesome story that God has for you, we would also celebrate with you if you decide to to get baptized tonight, and we we would cherish that moment with you and celebrate with you. But as we depart tonight, and as we have this time of invitation song, I want you to, to hold on to three things. One, that you're given a trans- transformational story. That you live in the tension of who you once were, but that God has a super high ceiling for you. That two, you're given a title of honor. That it's not about what other people say about you, uh, what you do, uh, what you have been in the past, who you see yourself as in the mirror, but you're seen as an ambassador of God that God's trusting you with this message of reconciliation. But also, you're called to go. You're called to go at the end of this pew. You're called to go to the end of your street. Um, If you need prayers or need help in any way, uh, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. How do you explain?